Hey guys, welcome back to the Far Better Podcast. I am your host, Michael Clark, and today we are finishing up our first sermon in the Be Weird series of the next you know, two sermons that we're covering over these six weeks. Uh, this one was entitled, God's Way is Weird. We talked about how people look at the way that God would have us to live, and they say that it's a weird thing, and why would we do that? And then last week we talked about that Satan wants us to be normal, Well, today, I want to give some text takeaways from what we've studied together and give some information on how we can be weirder in our daily lives. Number one, do not let Satan convince you to be normal. All he wants is for you to be miserable. Everything that he can do to make our lives difficult, he's going to do. And it can be easy in those moments to say, what good does it do to serve God? My life is so terrible. I'm dealing with this tragedy, or I'm dealing with this sickness. I'm dealing with this issue. Why would I want to serve God? And you know how many people there are in the world that that is the exact mindset that they give? That's the exact mindset that they have. They view serving God as worthless. They view serving Him as something that does not provide any benefit whatsoever. And I think that has to be the saddest way to live. It has to be. What good does it do to serve God? Well, honestly, ask the question, what good does it do to serve Satan? Have you ever, when you have stumbled and committed sin, have you ever woken up the next day and truly felt like what you did the night before was a good thing? Or do you constantly find yourself being in a situation where you say, you know what, I'm miserable. I'm miserable. And what you and I have to understand, what you and I have to realize and start making it a point in our daily lives is this. We have to overcome. We have to. Think about James 1, 12 through 18 for a minute. In my Bible, it says, as the little heading for this section, this is loving God under trials. And I really think that's a beautiful way to describe what this is talking about. Because we're told in verse 12, blessed is the man who endures temptation. You're going to be tempted. It's going to happen. For when he's been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Think about this before we move on to verse 17 and 18, because it's it's important for us to to cover the first six verses here, or five verses. Temptation has never been the problem. It's never been that God expects you to make it through life without being tempted. He knows that we're going to be tempted. We're told in verse 12, blessed is the man who never is tempted. Blessed is the man who doesn't even bother with temptation because it has no profit. Blessed is the man who endures it. Endures. That word endures indicates a mindset that we are patient, 
that we remain in a state despite what we experience, that we wait upon or we remain where we were to stand one's ground even. So you could really read this as, blessed is the man who stands his ground when he is tempted. For when he's been approved, he'll receive that crown of life. We have to overcome, but what is temptation? Well, it's not from God. We know that in verse 13. No one can say they're tempted by God because God can't be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anybody. So we then have to be tempted by something else. Some people would like to tell you that chapter 1 and verse 14 indicates that we're tempted by ourselves. I'm not quite sure that that's what James is trying to get at here. It really looks at this mindset of we are drawn away by our own desires and enticed by things that are known to be stumbling blocks for us. And the best example that I can think of is, of course, Matthew 4, when Jesus was tempted by Satan. And it needs to be stated and stressed, friends, it could not be temptation if Jesus didn't deep down have to really, really say no to it. And what I mean by that is it could not have been temptation had it not been a struggle for Jesus to say no to. Because what I know from James 1.14 is each one is tempted when? When he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. When I go to Matthew chapter 4, I find that Jesus is led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be what by the devil? to be tempted by the devil. And so if temptation is the issue, if temptation is the problem, then we have an issue with Jesus himself because he was tempted. And it was more than just the temptation that we read in Matthew chapter 4. I think of Mark, uh, Matthew sixteen twenty six, when Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Not Matthew sixteen twenty six. Oh, man. I'm going to get that verse wrong. Let me let me let me pull this up cuz I don't want to make it. I don't want to say that incorrectly here. It's Matthew 16:21 through 23. Um my bad. Matthew 16:21 through 23 where Jesus had said the son of man will go, he will be crucified. I'm I'm going to die. And Peter said, "Far be it from you, Lord, that this should happen to you." And Jesus looks at Peter and says, "Get behind me, Satan. Don't tempt me like that. Don't make me think about not doing what I have been sent to do." I'm supposed to come and die. Don't try to talk me out of it. So we know that temptation really can't be from myself. I I can certainly put myself in an environment where I am tempted easier. I can certainly put myself into a situation where I am more susceptible to temptation. But that doesn't mean that I am the cause of tempting myself. I don't think that that's the intent that God wanted you and I to think about. Otherwise, why were we instructed that the devil is the tempter? Why are we indicated, or why are we told, that the devil is the one that comes and tempts? Even when Peter himself is talking, Jesus says, hey, that's Satan talking. That's temptation from the devil. We have to overcome. 
And watch this in verse 17 and 18. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And it comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. We have to overcome. So don't let Satan convince you to be normal. Number two, being like the world only works out for a little while and ultimately produces failure. You know, many people gain a lot of the world every day, and they seem so successful, but what have they really gained? Here's the verse I misquoted earlier. It's Matthew 16, 26, where it says, What profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? This is right after. This is right after. Peter has said to Jesus, it's not going to happen to you. You're not going to die. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. That's why I got the verses jumbled. That and it was the next verse we were talking about. This is after Jesus also talks about denying oneself, taking up their cross, and following him. Watch verse 25. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it? What, what does it really do if a man gains the whole world but loses himself in the process? And I love how this verse ends. What will a man give in exchange for his own soul? What, what would he give up? What is so important to him that he would lose himself in the process? What is it for you? What is it for me? Whether we want to admit it or not, we all have something that we have to say no to that we often don't. It's a struggle, no doubt. Absolutely, it's a struggle. But what will you give in exchange for your soul? What's the soul worth to you? God says it's as valuable as the whole world would be. Meaning it's priceless. You can be like the world and and seem to be so successful, but in the end, what have you really accomplished? And the most successful people in this life are the least successful in the next. How many people on the day of judgment are going to stand before God that had millions of dollars in their bank account, millions of followers on all of their social media platforms, and millions and millions and millions of success stories that will stand on the day of judgment and not be successful anymore. See, that's the third thing I want to leave you with today. Normal people do not make it to heaven. Being religious is not enough weirdness. How how many people today would you say are considered religious? Back in 2020, it was estimated there are 380,000 churches 
in the United States, I believe, alone. In fact, I've got the numbers. Hold on. Yeah. In America, 380,000 churches as of 2020. It's estimated, according to one particular research study, that there are 600 million Christians back in 1910, but now 2 billion. Of course, you and I would would probably disagree with those numbers upon further consideration, but I think it's important to point out most of those people are probably very religious. But being religious is not enough to get you into heaven. Watch Matthew 7, 21-23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many people will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I don't know who you are. I don't want to know who you are. Leave. So be weird. Growing up, I never wanted to be called a weirdo. Never wanted to do anything that would put me into a category of being considered to be weird. And now, if you know me well enough, you know I really really don't care about that anymore. You can think I'm weird. You can think I'm crazy. You can think whatever you want. I don't, I don't have really any type of qualm about that. So long as Jesus knows me. Be weird. Those religious people, they lived their whole lives thinking they were going to make it. Normal people call the Lord by name, but weird people wear his name. They live it. They practice it. They love it. God's way is weird, but normal is so overrated. Next week, we're going to pick up with this continued series of God's way, and we're going to be talking about that it works, that God's weird way is actually beneficial, that it does help, that it does make a difference. Until then, you can follow us on all of our social media platforms. Those information's in the show notes below. You can email us at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com, and you can leave us a rating and a review. Don't forget to check out all the other podcasts on the Scattered Abroad Network. And until next week, let's remember to please God now so our eternity is far better.